0: And so we've got we've got young men and young women that God is accelerating with mm. great anointing. Mm. Why? Not because anything is special about that individual, yeah, come on. but because there's unfinished business from yes. the last generations hey. that God is leaving. I feel the Holy Ghost, yeah. that God's leaving it up to this generation to complete. That's right. And you never read where the Bible mentions that young prophet's name. Right. So the question is, can God trust this generation with being anointed and, yeah. and anonymous? Hey. Can Woo. he, can he trust this generation with nice. being anointed and anonymous?
1: Mm.
0: When I was just about to say, uh, about predictability. Um, when you categorize something, you can control it. Yeah. When you have put it into this this box of what you think it is, you preventing you you prevent it from being what you think it's not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're seeing that with evangelists. There are there are prophets among us disguised as evangelists,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and prophets are going to churches, and the pastors making subtle comments like, "And we got a lot of people here that need the Holy Ghost." And right. so that's that pastor's way of saying because you travel full time, right? You're here to pray people through, right? all the while that that individual may have a word for that church yeah and so when you categorize something you can control it yeah But if you take the category off you release it to be everything yeah. that it's meant to be
3: yeah and it's right. tempting it's tempting not to follow as a preacher it's tempting not to just follow the expectation of that category of what that person or what that ministry or what this group of people are expecting of you it's very tempting because it's, it's for the same thing of uh, it's for the same reason why we don't like feeling as an like imposters in places. Like I don't belong here, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and having that, that uh, the, uh, that over uniqueness uh, is a feeling of vulnerability that I am doing something that people uh, didn't expect me to do, or they expected me to do something else is a vulnerable state of being um, and it taps into uh, insecurities uh, that a preacher might have between in their minds and saying, is this pastor going to invite me back to preach? Right. Is this going to lock up this whole district because I'm preaching this youth camp or this youth revival? And God is asking me to preach about being ready for the rapture (laughs) instead of the Friday night you know, the Friday night explosion, everybody gets the Holy Ghost and everyone gets a ministry. And, you know, know, what are you going to do in those situations? How do you resist that temptation? You know, I was going
4: to say, uh, you know, we're speaking from the perspective of us mm -hmm. or the general public putting individuals in boxes, but even from the individual, you know, and and I can think of maybe Bible college students or people that are searching for their ministry, right? And they've played drums all their life, right? And so... That drum cage is a comfort zone, right? Right, Mm. And so to be willing to break the mold, um, but what what you're explaining to me right now sounds like, you know, but I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable keeping the beat. I'm comfortable. uh, All the while there's, you know, cultivating a, a call, a call to more, a call to deeper, a call to preach. That's true. And we have to, you know, from both perspectives, invite people out. From that comfort zone, and tell them, "Hey, this is a space where you can experience, you can grow, you can go deeper." I know personally myself, right? And I think we've all had times in maturing and uh, in our walk with God where it's like, you know, is is this what I'm gonna is? We put boxes because boxes are comfortable. Yeah. It's a comfortable place to say, "Okay, well, I'm I am just the you know the worship leader, and I'll I'll stay here." because I don't want to stretch myself, right? Mm. So there's two perspectives, right? That's true.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's not just the community that many times put, puts boxes on us. If we put boxes on ourselves because many times we know the sacrifice that is required right? if we should believe and step forward mm. into what God has called us to be. Uh, let me shift this over here to uh, Brother Caleb Herring okay and uh and uh you know just go into conversation and engaging you in your life um this is kind of what we do in the certain sound we really don't have like a set um schedule or a set you know uh set uh set of uh, official questions we just kind of flow and see where conversation takes us um but to get into your life if i can ask you um what is your testimony? How did God call you into ministry? And have you personally had to break through either boxes that you've placed on yourself or boxes that other people have tried to place on you, define you in a certain way in your journey and finding yourself in your ministry in God?
5: Sure.
0: So I'm going to try to, try to make it brief because I could be here a while just talking about my story. But um, I, uh, I was raised in church bogalusa Louisiana. Um, and then when I was twelve, my my parents divorced. Both of them backslid. My family got out of church for uh a season. My parents are still out of church. Uh they're coming back in Jesus' name though. Uh, anyway. Uh we were out of church for a number of years, uh kicked out of our home. My mother, me, my sister, no place to go. Someone in my family bought a trailer for us to live in. Uh, When I was 15, I was on my way home from basketball practice, backslid away from God, driving illegally, got in a car accident. Uh, It sounds cliche, but it was very pivotal in my life. You saw the the pictures of the wreck. I shouldn't be here today. Mm -hmm. And as a 15-year-old young man that was raised in church and has been away from God, you can imagine that got my attention pretty quickly. And so that kind of started a a series of events uh, that that got me back into the church. Um, God called me to preach. So that wreck was July 9th of 2009. And three months later, on October the 19th of 2009, I preached my very first message. Wow. And uh, I mean, I still had the shaggy hair with a flat bill cap i wore flat you know to keep your hair pressed down and that was just kind of the thing we did back then and so i preached my first message with with hat head you know a ring around my hair so anyway um i uh that that opened a door for my pastor to take me in as as his own son and my my pastor pretty much raised me Mm. from the time i was 15 years old Mm. and um I just started serving at my local church. Whatever he needed, uh, I took care of my pastor. And the way that it started is I started volunteering at the church to help him. And I've done everything from scrub the toilets to wash his vehicles to babysit his kids, mow his lawn, uh, drive him to funerals and hospitals, and to preach, and you know the the whole thing. And so I did that for. Uh, I did that part time for three years, sophomore, junior, senior of high school. I'd come in after school and I'd work into the night and then during the summers I'd work full time. And then he came to me six months before I graduated high school. And he said, um, he said, if you want to go to Bible college, I'll send you, he said, I'll make sure you're taken care of. Um, or you can. Just go full time and keep working for me like you've been doing. Just take care of me. Whatever I need, you'll you'll be my guy. And I didn't even have to pray about it. I knew I got to be because there's power in proximity. Mm -hmm. Some things are taught. Other things are caught. And I knew that if I would have gone to Bible college, it would have pulled me out of proximity from my pastor Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't wouldn't have been able to catch the things that I caught from him and so I did that full time for four years, so seven years total. I call that my my leah years it was it was sweaty, it was hard it was difficult it was it was all of those things. It was just seven years of serving and uh, I devoted seven years of my life to my pastor and then I started just feeling uh that that prophetic nudge that mm-hmm. something was about to shift and um uh, one door started opening and then another door started opening and twice a month turned into three times a month and three times a month turned into four times a month. And one Sunday at 23 years old, I just went and preached somewhere and I've been preaching every Sunday since. And that's been seven years ago. Wow. And so, so here we are now. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, I want to reverse a little back to, uh, that statement that you made power in proximity. Uh, and, uh, you know, proximity is specifically. Um, if I'm understanding you correctly, is a proximity to a man of God, right? Someone who's in your life. What did you learn? What kinds of things do you learn in proximity to another man of God?
0: Well, we preach a lot about mantles and Pentecost, but I, I really think that we have a little bit of a misconception concerning mantles. We preach about Elijah and Elisha, and how. The mantle fell, and Elisha picked up the mantle. Uh, but it wasn't the mantle that gave him the ability to flow in prophetic ministry. Number one, he was already called by God for prophetic ministry. Mm-hmm. But when he told Elijah what he wanted from him, we misquote that a lot. He didn't say, I want a double portion of your anointing. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. mm So it wasn't the mantle that gave him the ability to flow in prophetic ministry Uh uh in that proximity to Elijah, because in second Kings chapter two, Elisha had had three different opportunities to pull himself out of proximity with Elijah when they came to Jericho and to Bethel and then eventually to Jordan at each one of those places. Elijah said, Hey, Elisha, you don't have to keep following me. You can separate yourself from me. But Elisha said, nevertheless, as the Lord liveth, I will not leave thee. And so when that mantle fell, uh, the Bible said that there were 50 sons of the prophets on the other side of the flood. They had the pedigree. They had the last name. They they had the heritage. Meanwhile, you've got this son of a farmer that doesn't have any of those things. But he was close to the man of God and he caught the man of God's spirit. That's good. The mantle was just a symbol of the office that he was going to function in. Right. But he caught the man of God's spirit. Yeah. And so there there are things about that relationship between Elisha and Elijah that that scripture doesn't give us insight to. But at each one of those places he had the opportunity to leave. Mm. But he stayed and kept kept he kept himself in proximity to Elijah because there were things about Elijah that he caught from him so much to the point That whenever that prophetic ministry shifted, the kings were looking at Elisha and they said, here is Elijah, which poured hands on the, or here's Elisha, which, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. They associated him with his proximity to his man of God. Mm -hmm. And whenever Elijah was carried away, uh, Elisha said, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. And when Elisha died, the king said, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. So apparently he caught something from Elijah so strongly that he even began to have characteristics of Elijah. Mm-hmm. He even began to maybe walk like Elijah or talk like Elijah. Yeah. And so that's, that's the, you, you, you pick up his spirit. You yeah. pick up the nature of the man that God puts you in proximity to. Yeah
3: so you know that's uh there's definitely uh so much about that story that can be unfolded uh as you said um and uh, um another element of Elisha and elijah that's very important as well is that god gave intentionally gave elijah prophecies that needed to have been fulfilled knowing that elijah would not fulfill them but the next generation that had his spirit would fulfill them absolutely he told them three things go anoint elisha go anoint Hezael. and then go anoint jehu he only anointed elisha mm-hmm. elisha he never actually went to Hezael or jehu that is something that elisha did and it was god who called up elijah so god knew all along he gave a vision that was greater than what the prophet could fulfill Mm -hmm. because the ministry had to extend from the the prophet the man of God unto the next generation so I think uh, that that dynamic that you're talking about power and proximity receiving the spirit of the man of God uh, is very important for us younger ministers who are around in proximity to great men of God and particular pastors uh to understand this concept that right now god is given giving vision to the men of god who are in our lives that they their lives cannot contain callings prophecies
1: mm-hmm.
3: ministries that the span of their age and their life cannot contain and it requires a next generation of ministers who are in proximity to them who take their spirit and don't just throw away what they learned from the man of God when they leave, but do what the man of God did and carry on in the ministry in that same ministry of the man of God that they were in proximity with, uh, to the next generation. So, um, it's very, very important. Uh, how does one know or what does one feel when uh they are genuinely taking on the spirit of the man of God that they are submitted to their pastor how do they how does one know I'm in the right place I'm in proximity and i am an, I am taking upon myself the very spirit, the very anointing uh of the man of God that the Lord has placed. Can, can in our I add life. another layer to that yeah, question? Well sure.
5: Um uh, because I, I think <clears throat> I think you're hitting so many things it makes sense. It it puts puzzle pieces together for people. Uh, what is the difference between imitation and impartation? Yeah. Because we'll use a prime example. That's that's very uh commonly used in our movement. Billy Cole developed um his Method in praying people through the Holy Ghost. And there are a myriad of people who claim, or claims are made about them, mm-hmm. that they've taken on Billy Cole's mantle. I think what you're saying about taking on his spirit uh, is much more theologically accurate. However, there are people who simply will just imitate the method mm-hmm. without having the impartation. Mm-hmm. So, in your experience, mm-hmm. because I, I, just what you're saying, it makes so much sense. I've I've always had a problem with our, our language with mantles. Um what you're saying makes it is very clear. What do you think would be the difference between imitation and impartation?
0: So uh the Bible says, uh, be ye followers of Christ. So that word followers there literally means to imitate. Right. So you have to understand the 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 progression of sonship. I teach a lesson to young ministers, it's it's the progression of sonship. And the first step in sonship is imitation, and th- that goes back to the schoolmaster that Paul talks about. So that that it, it's it's the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, "Abba, Father." So in Roman culture, uh, a a son that was adopted would imitate the one that he was being adopted by, and it is even said that the one who is adopted carries on the name and the nature of the father, Uh even more so than a geological son, Uh a genealogical Uh son. Uh, And so he's, he's imitating everything that the father does. Uh And so a lot of Paul's writings are are rooted in, in Roman custom. And so when he starts uh, writing to, I believe it's in Galatians, where he starts talking about uh, a a child. uh, help me out he here, Morgan. Masters, the no, the he,
3: child of promise and the child of the bond woman is that? Uh, no, right
0: may, maybe I'm getting my my book wrong. That's all right. I gotta. It's it's my mind is foggy with yeah. this. Anyway, he starts talking and he says, "A a, a son, though he be a child." is uh or, or though he be an heir mm-hmm. uh I, you know what let me look it up because i don't want to yeah. misquote this
5: right. he's he is no more than a servant He's under school and teachers yes until his
0: time until the time appointed of the father That's yes good. very good so when it says when it says um when it says uh, a child there he's not talking about an infant mm-hmm. he's talking about a level of maturity Absolutely. so it's possible for a 40 year old mm to be more immature than a fourteen-year-old mm. in, in the spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's the progression of sonship. That son starts off imitating. Mm-hmm. And then it says the time appointed of the father. That time appointed of the father has nothing to do with age. It's when the father feels that he's ready. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's literally a, when, when the father feels that he's ready, there is a, a uh, ceremony that takes place where he literally changes garments and that candidate for adoption removes the garment of a slave and puts on the garment of a son. And he now has access to everything that the father has access to. And so it goes from imitation to impartation and then it's individuality. That's the final phase of sonship. So you've been imitating the father and then you receive an impartation from the father, which is that moment where the father sees that you're ready to handle what he wants to give you. And that's where that impartation take place, took place. And it took place for Elisha at Jericho or at Jordan, rather, where Elijah said, OK, he's been following me. He's been imitating me. Now it's time for impartation. Yeah, it's time for me to leave everything that I have with him mm-hmm. for him to be all that he's supposed mm-hmm. to be. hmm. And then we see from the very, from the very beginning of Elisha's ministry, once that impartation takes place, he steps into individuality where he starts, he starts getting his feet set under him and he starts doing some of the same things Elijah did, but he does them a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the way it was with, with my pastor and I, uh, I, I imitated him Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as a 15, 16, 17 year old kid. I dressed like him. Yeah. I structured my sermon notes like him. Yeah. I, I used his phrases behind the pulpit, right. all of, of it. Course. And then when that time came that he was ready, he felt like I was ready to launch out full time and travel at 23 yeah. years old. Wow. That impartation came. Wow. And then as I started traveling over the last several years, I started figuring out exactly who I was. Yeah. So now I don't, there's a lot of things that my pastor does that I don't, I don't do like him. Mm-hmm. Most of the times I don't even preach with notes. Mm-hmm. You know, he still preaches with, with notes. And that's not to say one's right or wrong, Right. but he is who he is yeah. and I am who I am.
3: Is somehow you have <clears throat> achieved this, uh, this, uh, fusion between, uh, where you started and that spirit that was imparted upon you and where you are now, that's not to deny him as a direct influence in where you are today. That can never be thrown away. Yeah, And never can we ever, I don't believe we shouldn't ever seek to intentionally make ourselves unique from the foundation from which we came from. You know, I think that's that's a major problem with a lot of ministers today is somehow there is a desire to be unique. Mm -hmm. There's a desire to be different. While you're talking about the sameness you're talking about imitation you're talking about following the footsteps to absorb and to take upon yourself that spiritual impartation that's those are diametrically opposed that that wellspring of inspiration that drives people to be original right. to say original things to make an original <clears throat> sermon yeah you know?
5: right well i i think your point the very beginning point that precipitated all of this When you were speaking about proximity, my mind goes to Paul in Romans 1. He says, I long to be with you Mm. that I might impart some gift to you. Yeah, Mm. He he said, I can't do this via prayer alone. I can't do this from a distance. I need to be physically in your presence in order for you to catch this gift that I know that you need to go on. Because obviously he's addressing all these problems with division in the Roman church. And... And it's speculatory of what that gift was. Right. But he's saying, I've got something in me that will help you fight this battle.
0: Yeah. I'm going to write this
5: letter to help you get through till I can get there. Uh And it becomes his masterpiece. Right. But uh, and it becomes and it was scripture. It is scripture. But he knew that there needed to be so it cannot be. And so it, it marries both of your points together, as I'm just observing, where you need to be in the presence of a man of God, not just watch his sermons on YouTube. Yeah. Um, not just get good text messages from him. Just be around him. Yeah. And uh, seek to be an individual, but don't seek to be exclusively unique as well. Right. Let God uh, organically develop those things.
0: Sure.
3: Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, lots of thoughts going through my mind right now. Imitation. Um, imitating. Uh, there's a lot that's going through my mind, and i got to catch the line here. That I, re- I
5: really like the progression, though, that imitation is not bad. Right. Um, it and, and, and then you get into sticky waters when you're talking about imitating. Because Paul says, Paul didn't say, be imitators of me. He says, be followers of me as I follow
0: Christ. Right.
5: Like, follow the things I do in trying to be like Jesus. Right. And so that imitation line can be blurred because... Sometimes things can just be methodologies that aren't necessarily things that we learn from scripture or, but they're not unscriptural as well. Um, but imitation in of itself is not bad, but it's different from impartation is you're not observing somebody. And and this is how I've always understood it. And you talked about the adoption process. I think that's a beautiful understanding because when people are adopted naturally, all the only characteristics that they can demonstrate from their father is via observation and imitation oh, in a natural sense. Mm-hmm. I am part of the new household. I observe their habits, their customs, their rituals. And after a period of time of being in this environment, I will start to demonstrate those traits via observation and environment. However, when God fills us with the Holy Spirit, we don't just learn things via observation, which we do. We learn the culture of the kingdom. We We learn when to clap, we learn when to jump, we learn all of these things. But when he imparts the Holy Spirit into us, mm. we're not just observing and imitating his nature. We are being imparted his nature. Correct. Now through and that's the whole argument of Galatians, when it encapsulates with the fruit of the Spirit. As a son of God, you can now act like your dad, which is demonstrated through the fruit of the Spirit. Right.
0: Mm. Right. And yeah. that's why then that's why it said, though he be an heir, if if he's still a child. He doesn't have access to everything that the father wants to give him yet until the time appointed unto the father. So the imitation uh, that, that goes into the, the, the schoolmaster, the imitation is meant to be in the stages of life where you're still immature and you don't really know what to do. Yeah. Until you come into your own and yeah. you catch what the father has. Yeah. And then you can you can develop your own identity In that context, not going rogue on everything you've been taught. Yeah, right. But getting your own feet under you and figuring out figuring out who you are as a son. Right.
5: Right. And I think that the the explosive revelation that comes to me when you say that is what is Paul talking about? The schoolmasters and teachers and being children talking about being under the law. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, in Galatians, it says if righteousness could have come by the law, it would have come by that law. Meaning this was the best version of rules and systems that you could possibly have. Mm -hmm, There's not a better one than that. Just Mm -hmm. because people don't adhere to the law of Moses, doesn't mean that they're not living under a law mentality. Sure, And a law mentality is X plus Y equals D. Mm -hmm. It doesn't contribute through faith in Jesus Christ and the leading of the spirit. It's just plugging in formulas. I don't need to believe this. I don't need to live a lifestyle behind this. If I do this, this, and this, then this will work, regardless of anything I do outside of the pulpit or outside of ministry. Yeah, And that's, I, I feel the deep truth of that is the immaturity comes, not like you said, it was super powerful, not because of age, but because of mindset. And that right. mindset to the Jewish people was the law, rigorous customs, rigorous rituals. They grew up in Christ when they learned how to be led by the Spirit.
0: P- performance-based mindset. Exactly. Mm-hmm. People who don't understand sonship live, and we see it a lot in Pentecost, uh, with a performance-based mindset. Yeah. I was sharing this with, with somebody recently. When the prodigal came to his own, he said, "He said, the hired servants have bread enough to eat in my father's house. He said, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm not even going to ask him to restore me as a son I'm just going to ask him if he'll let me be a hired servant. He didn't say slave because there's a difference in a slave and a hired servant. A slave is obligated. It's bound by its master. It can't go anywhere until it's liberated. But a hired servant has to earn its keep around the father's house. Mm -hmm. And so he was saying, I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. I'm going to go back and see if I can perform my way into the father accepting me again as a son. Right, right. And so when you understand sonship, though, you can repent, put it under the blood, and move on and accept mm-hmm. the love of God as a son.
3: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. You know, there's a lot here that it, that has to be caught spiritually of what we're talking about because it could easily be misconstrued as us saying, copy your pastor. But that's not exactly what we're saying. That's right. not exactly what is being said here. And on the other hand, There are individuals who want to access the anointing of their pastor, uh, the anointing of the power, the authority of their pastor, without having followed the paths of the man of God or the men of God that are in their lives. They want to do what they did um, without having to have actually paid the price. We say pay the price, walk those old paths uh, to become Genuine imitators, right? We're not talking about voice inflections. We're not talking right. about, you know. And I know, you know, uh, brother Caleb said, you know, he he wrote his sermon out like his pastor. He he'd dressed like his pastor, and that's not what I'm talking about, you know. And that's that's the spiritual thing about it. It's like yeah, we're talking about that, but not we're not really talking about that. It's yeah. what dressing like your pastor meant. Exactly. It meant something spiritual. Exactly. It said I am doing something, my heart my mind wants to be transformed because i see christ in this man of god and this man of god is is one of the closest manifestations of what jesus looks like it's like the spirit is getting you to like to do what paul was saying follow me as i follow christ right right? to look to that man of god and follow those paths that he has followed to adopt his spirit and his anointing um And, uh, you know, in this day and age, there is a great danger with, uh, you know, uh, individuals who haven't, uh, young ministers who haven't paid the price for the level of word that they are attempting to to preach okay Mm. because now we have access to all kinds of material online right we have access to because of the times preachings on youtube we have access to landmark preachings we have access to all kinds of bible studies that are given online and if we're not careful we can attempt to imitate them Without having the impartation,
1: without the atmosphere, you know, without the right? atmosphere, that's a really good point, you know, that's a
3: yeah. Really and and we're really we're preaching above our pay grade, right? The Word of God says, "Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but everyone minister according to the measure of faith that has been given unto you." Right? Well, and
0: and I don't want to be for anybody listening. I don't want to be misunderstood. I might have imitated, as you said, it wasn't dressing like him. It's mm-hmm. what that meant. Yes, absolutely. I still had an altar in my private world.
3: Right. That's. Yeah. And
0: I still paid a price in yeah. prayer and fasting. Right. to To have what God's given me in yeah. in this season of my life. So I wasn't just, you know, writing down his sermons that he but preached. It, but it, and then,
5: but it, it it leads to your original point. It's progressive. It's progressive. Yeah. It right. starts right. as. And, you know, when I. Fifteen years old. I mean, we tried. I mean, we did. I'm be honest. We tried to hold our hand out. At the same angle, yeah. Nathaniel Haney holds his hand out, and he's got this finger injury, for people that don't know, yeah. and he can't hold his ring finger out straight. So he, he holds his hand like that, if you ever notice. Mm. And you'll see some young guys at CLC, without even thinking about it when they preach, <laughs> their ring finger will, will be drawn into their hand. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's the lowest level of mm-hmm. impartation. Correct. Mm-hmm. And then it progresses. Now I don't want to hold my hand like him. I actually want to pray like him.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And, and I don't is. just want to pray like him. I want to love like him. And then you go on and go forth until it enters that area of impartation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the imitation grows in of it itself. And mm-hmm. it, it brings back to the original point about the prodigal son and the performance mindset. Well, in that same story, I believe he had that performance mindset because he wasn't the only one in the house that thought that way. He had another brother who was out in the field yeah. mm-hmm. who, who was frustrated when the prodigal came home. Mm-hmm. And he said, Dad, why didn't you give me the fatted calf? Yeah. I've been here the whole time. And the prodigal father says something absolutely amazing. He said, Son, all that I have is thine, is thine. You have had access to this the entire time. Yeah. So there's two types of prodigals. There's ones that leave and, and think performance is going to be their way in. And there's others that perform and don't understand why they're not getting where they should be.
0: Yeah, and if you and if you look at the older brother when they were when they were celebrating the return of his younger brother, he was outside the house. Mm-hmm. So both sons left the father's house. The younger son left the father's house because of unrighteousness,
5: self-righteousness.
0: The older the older brother left the father's house because of self-righteousness. Uh-huh. Both of those will remove you from the Father's house, mm. and uh, and it's an improper understanding of sonship. Mm.
3: Talk to me, Vince. What's going through your mind?
4: The the word that's coming to my mind is motive. Okay, you know, uh, the motive behind why Brother Herring is was imitating his pastor was not because if I do this, I'm going to climb the ranks. Mm-hmm. Right. If I do this just right, one day I'll be able to hold the office of a pastor. Right. And even when in that pivotal moment when your pastor came and said, you know, Bible college or you can stay here, you knew you you knew in your heart, I want to serve this man of God because what he's giving, imparting to me spiritually is worth so much more than the normal I'm gonna to go to Bible college, do my four years and, and everybody, you know, I went to Bible college. There's nothing wrong with Bible college, but sure. it was the motive in your heart, the desire in you, and that's what that's what dictates these two different Uh, paths is Mm -hmm. if your motive is correct, Mm -hmm. the imitation is going to turn into impartation and, and individuality. But if your motive is just to have the right voice inflection to pick up on the, way that this preacher or this evangelist or whoever it might be gets this, the crowd dynamics to go, right, 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 right. I can achieve that. And one day all my name will be in lights or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. The motive is really what that's just, what's been ring in my head going around and around. It's all, it's the motive. It's the intent of the individual. Why am I imitating this person? Why right. am, am I imitating my pastors it because I want to be considered a great man of God and and people to respect my, me, or is it because I see that man of God walks with God, mm-hmm. and he knows God better than anybody else that I know? Right. And so, if I can just somehow get what he has, so I could walk yes, closer with yes, the Lord. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well
3: Wonderful. Well, wow. 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 Um, and, and and one thing that we have to keep in mind as well, in in the in light of um. Um. What eventually ends up turning into uniqueness and individuality within men of God who imitate, you know, uh, is that uniqueness comes by itself because though it's the same spirit, it is flowing through a unique vessel in a unique place in time. And that's what brings about uniqueness. Right. So we have Elijah and and then passes on that spirit to Elisha. And Elisha, he attempts to resurrect a boy like Elijah did. And he puts his hands with hands, feet with heat, feet. And he has to do it three times, right? Not once, but three. Why? Why? Because he's not Elijah, right? Does it mean he was less powerful? No. It's just that uniqueness came from his situations, right? And then we have another individual who had the same spirit of Elijah, John the Baptist, who didn't heal anyone uh, right yeah. who didn't wow. do any of those things but yet did he have the same spirit let's call it right mantle right he had that spirit of elijah within him but that didn't drive him to speak to uh you know well he did speak with kings uh, Herod would have been an example, not exactly Caesar. Who had a wicked wife. Who had a wicked wife, right? Wow, Jezebel, right? Okay, so he had that spirit of Elijah, but that drove him into the wilderness. It drove him into, right. into uh, preaching uh, with camel skin and eating locusts and honey. Deep. And instead of being carried by a whirlwind, it took him to the knife
4: Wow, mm.
3: that cut his head. Yeah. Right? And all of this is the will of God. All of this is the will of God, right? This is actually where uniqueness springs from is taking that spirit of the man of God uh, that the Lord has placed in your life. Now, of course, John the Baptist didn't live with Elijah, so it's a little incongruent of what we're talking about, but it is a great example of you don't have to worry about being unique. The way the will of God is going to unfold in your life It's going to produce something, uh, something new, right? Newness is not something for you to desire. It's something that just happens. Right. It's something that God just does because you're speaking to a new generation. You're speaking under new circumstances. We're ever closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. Things are accelerating in the will of God in prophecy, and that is going to put us in situations that were never seen by our pastors, Right. Uh, and with that comes new, new ways of communicating and new ways. I mean, when when had our elders ever thought about podcasting? You know what I mean? We're podcasting right now. Right. This is apostolic podcasting. When was this ever thought of by elders that have passed away? Right. But let it be known we're not trying to have a different spirit than our elders. Right yeah. we're not trying to have a different spirit than the apostolic forerunners of the pentecostal movement oh we're having we want the same spirit, but it's just showing itself in a unique way, not because we want to do apostolic podcasting and, and that's the new thing, and we want to be at the edge of you know whatever's at the cutting edge of what's what's you know gonna make people popular or anything like no. No, this is a burden that God has placed in our life and it's the same spirit but it's showing up in a different way, right. you know. Again, uniqueness is not something to be desired and to be achieved or strived for, but in imitating the men of God that all, the Lord has placed in your life creates this platform, not platform, but it creates this um this pattern from which comes uh, new um new new ways of expressing the same spirit right right and there's a lot going through my mind right but I don't want to get too um too technical with everybody I mean it 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 it's the way that uh even the mind works by nature okay it's the way that the mind works we all have a very similar psychological makeup as human beings because we all grew up with two eyes, two ears. We all grew up feeling the same things. For example, anger, right? Anger in the human body physiologically increases temperature. You the temperature of your internal body increases when you're angry. Uh and so there beyond culture uh beyond uh, in, in a way that transcends cultural lines anger is often symbolized by fire by heat right. by red by red hot right and that is the basis of knowledge through which from which comes uh even unique uh unique metaphors for anger right so if if i say that uh um it, you know that his anger scolded me like hot water, right? Uh, you know that's that's going to be a unique uh, metaphor, and uh, but it's part of the basis of uh, the. It's part of a a similar basis, right? Um, so uh, there's a lot more that I would have to. My mind just going a hundred miles per hour right now, and uh, and no, it's true uh, that how there's to a, there's, a,
5: there's a, a bodily response. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Hebrew idiom for anger is his nose became hot with anger. That's what I'm
3: talking about, yeah. right? So
5: that is different. Tell
3: me if that that's not in English. His nose became hot with anger. No, in
5: English, they just translate it as he became exceedingly angry. Yeah, And so, and this happens so much when you study the original languages. If you were to interpret word for word, we well, need a commentary to understand. Mm-hmm. It. And, um, and so there's this deeper understanding that the Jewish people didn't just say, well, he got angry. But mm-hmm. They understood that it was... His entire body got involved with it. Right. And uh, that when you become angry, it's not just something that happens in your right. mind, right. it affects your entire being.
3: So, the foundational experience, that foundational embodied experience between the Hebrews in ancient times and us today, is the same. However, they're expressed in unique ways and unique metaphors, right? right. Piping hot, right? Uh, you know, piping hot. Where does piping hot come from? The sound of the whistle of a teapot that didn't exist in ancient Hebrew. Right. But now we have a new metaphor, piping hot, right? Whistling with, with heat, okay? Right. We have that new metaphor used today, right. but it is still the same foundation, right? Yeah. And so where am I trying to get to? It, it doesn't matter if your pastor is the meekest mildest introvert that doesn't travel out preaching is just a humble pastor in some small town imitate that man of god
1: that's good yeah
3: because i feel the holy ghost right if you imitate that man of god it still becomes the very foundation through which god pushes you forward into genuine apostolic ministry just as powerful and just as significant as you following one of the greatest namely pastors in the movement. Right. Because it's the foundation that is the point. God has placed this pastor of 50 in your life, and you weren't meant to be under Pastor Haney. You weren't called to be under Brother uh, Mangan. You weren't called to be under brother bounds right you were called to be under this pastor of this small church because it's about Christ in you that man of God and how he is manifesting to your life that's going to become the very thing that God uses to launch you out into the deep into the uniqueness of apostolic ministry in a world that deeply needs to hear about Jesus mm. Thank God He helped me put that together. Right? right? That's what I'm. That's what I was trying to put together in my mind because it's what I'm trying to get to is. Don't think you're disadvantaged by being under a pastor or a minister or men man of God that nobody knows. Right? Don't be don't be intimidated by that fact. Right? Relish and take advantage of the man of God who is in your life and trust that whatever god plans for your future it's going to come to pass because it's your destiny your future is in god's hands don't try to open up your own doors don't try to push your way under greater men of god with greater anointing trust where god has placed you and from there the lord will launch off
0: i'm glad you right. did the air quotes on greater right because uh, i really think in in the apostolic church we need to start we need to start redefining what the metric of greatness yes. and success is. Yeah. You mentioned some, some great men, but it's not, it's not those men's last name or the platforms that they stand on in our movement that make them great and make them successful. It's their obedience to the will of God for their life that right. makes them right. great and successful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in my gener- and I may talk about this tonight, uh, to the hyphens and young adults. Uh, But we have the metric for success all wrong in this generation that's coming up. All right. To this generation that's coming up, the metric for success is, have I had a live recording?
2: Mm.
0: Have I released an album? Have I preached Youth Congress? Right. Am I preaching all the youth camps and conferences? Does everybody know my name? Do I have a large social media following? Mm -hmm. And that's become the metric for success. But the metric for success is the obedience mm-hmm. to the perfect will of God for your life. So somebody that plants a uh, that, that moves to a foreign country that's an access challenge nation that has to remain anonymous for the rest of their life, wow, is just as successful yeah. Yeah. as somebody that God may raise up to preach North American Youth Congress. Why? Because they were obedient to the perfect will of God.
3: Absolutely. That's right. I, I, I look forward <clears throat> to meeting those men and women of God in the by and by. I, I look forward to being introduced to those unknown names. Right. To the unknown
0: individuals
3: right. who well, just followed the will of God.
0: Well, you mentioned something about God speaking to Elijah and uh, telling him to anoint Jehu as the next king of Israel. Yeah. When you study the life of Elijah, he was carried away in the in the chariot of fire right. before he could complete that task. Yep. And yep. then that anointing it shifts to the next generation, right. Elisha. Well, when you study the life of Elisha, he becomes too old and weak to make the journey to Ramoth Gilead, mm-hmm. where Jehu was. Mm-hmm. Ramoth Gilead means the high place of Gilead. Mm-hmm. So he's too old and weak to make the journey to the high place to anoint the next generation. Mm. And so what does he do in 2 Kings chapter 9? The Bible says he calls for a young nameless prophet and he says, I want you to gird up your loins and take this box of oil Mm. and go to Ramoth Gilead and anoint Jehu as the next king of Israel. Well, why did he tell him to gird up his loins? It's because the urgency of the hour Mm -hmm. demanded him to run with the anointing, not walk with the anointing. And you get down to verse number four, and this is what the Bible says. It says, so the prophet, even the young man, the prophet, carried the anointing to Ramoth Gilead. It's like the writer saying, we would have expected Elijah to do it, or we would have expected Elisha to do it. But because of the urgency of the hour, mm-hmm. even the young man is going to carry the anointing to a higher place than it's ever been. And so we've got we've got young men and young women that God is accelerating with mm. great anointing. Mm. Why? Why? Not because anything is special about that individual, but because there's unfinished business from the last generations that God is leaving. I feel the Holy Ghost that God's leaving it up to this generation to complete. That's right. And you never read where the Bible mentions that young prophet's name. Right. So the question is, can God trust this generation with being anointed and and anonymous? Nameless. Can he, can he trust this generation with nice. being anointed and anonymous? Mm.
5: Really, powerful. really powerful. And Paul, <clears throat> I mean, Paul uh, kind of gives us insight to the mind of God when the Lord, because you mentioned seeing those, those type of people in the by and by, the anointed and the anonymous. That, that's a sermon title of I've ever hey, heard of in my life. man. Yeah. Come on, bro. That's powerful. But um, in, in his discourse on the, the body of Christ in First Corinthians 12, he starts to talk about, Each member being unique, and we need the functionality of every member of the body in order to to, to progress spiritually. And he says something I think is so powerful. And he says to those inward parts, and the King James says those hidden parts, he hath bestowed upon them greater honor. Because most of the things that are on the outside of our body are the things that get the most glory and credit, but they are actually the least important in function of life. He said it's those hidden inward parts. that's not going to get the glory. If somebody, um, you know, we're to, speaking of the body of Christ, is that what you're he's talking speaking about? of the body of oh, Christ? My, my, my. He's talking about the hidden parts. Wow. One translation says the private parts yeah. of your body, wow. meaning nobody has access to those things. He says Knowledge he bestows upon them greater honor. Yeah. He can get anybody to preach Youth Congress. Yeah, yes. Who's going to say no to that? You know, a preacher who's, who, who's driven and, and, and studies the word, who's going to say no to that? Yeah, Um, he can get anybody to pastor a large church, but he can't get everybody to be an intercessor for three and four hours who will be anonymous and nameless.
0: Well, and 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 just kind of tagging back on to where we started this, this podcast, this conversation, you started talking about uh, a guy that was, you know, for a large part of his early years, he was a musician. And and in order to branch out of that and step into preaching, which is what god had called him to do mm. he had to say no to some things and you asked a question uh you, you said something about how do you get to the place where you're you're even comfortable enough to say no to those things so that you can be what god has called you to be mm. and i think a lot of it comes down to you have to be able to identify the pressure that comes from man mm mm-hmm. Uh, I had a had a young man call me, seventeen years old. I was on my way here today, and he preached uh, a youth deal last week, and he went an hour and a half, and he said it felt like ten minutes. And he said, "I feel so bad. I'm I'm never going to do that again." And I just stopped him. I said, "Whoa," I said, "You're giving in to the pressure that you feel from man." Right. Mm-hmm. I said, you got to make up your mind now. Are you going to be God's man, or are you right. going to be somebody else's man? That's right. I said, so for you to say you're never going to go an hour and a half again, that's you giving in to the pressure that man puts on you, and that's you hindering the flow. I said, if there's a flow there for an hour and a half, and those kids are hungry, go an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Be obedient to the will of God. And so we, we have to get to this place where we're willing to be God's men yeah, right. and God's women. And say, I'm not going to fit into this box that the pressure of man tries to put me in. And, you know, back in 2020, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm releasing the angel of Acts 12 to this generation. Mm. When Peter was in prison, the angel showed up uh, to liberate him from prison. When the angel comes and delivers Peter from prison, the Bible said that Peter was delivered from the expectation of the people.
2: Mm.
0: And the Lord said, I'm releasing that angel of Acts 12 to this generation to deliver them from the expectation of people. Powerful. And it's not just the expectation of to fit into cer- to a certain box. Okay. It's the expectation of you have to be exactly like the generation before you. Yeah. Right. And so God is God is delivering this generation from every expectation of man. Definitely. And this generation is hungry to be fully apostolic yes. in every way. Yeah. And if that means saying no to uh, a, a certain platform because you know that it's it's not congruent with who God's truly called you to be, then you're going to have to say no mm. or, or, or whatever the case may be. You, you just got to be uh, so one of my uh, one of the voices in my life told me, he said, Caleb, he said, you got to be God's man. Because if you're not God's man, you'll be somebody else's man.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they'll try to control you, and they'll try to manipulate you, and they'll try to put you into a box that God didn't call you to be in. Right. But when you decide I'm God's man, he sets the boundaries for your life.
3: Yeah, and that's what I wanted to dig into a little bit more. If yeah, in, in whatever liberty you feel, uh, <clears throat> the ability to share... What is that? What is what is the anointing of Acts twelve look for? Look like in your life? Are there any examples that you can give about your life right now that is an example of your ministry stepping into that? You know, yeah, and you absolutely. already revealed a little bit right now. You give a small tidbit, sure. But uh, can you share a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I've 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 got a, a, a few examples for that. So obviously, as you. If you travel, you're you're automatically viewed as somebody that's just going to come in, build faith, pray a bunch of people through, and then you're out of there. That is not the primary vein that God has called me to flow in. Mm. And for about the first year of traveling full-time, when I was 23, 24, a lot of my my ministry was coming in for a weekend, uh, building faith, encouraging that church, praying a bunch of people through, and then leaving. But somewhere along the way, there came a shift, and and God started dealing with me more about the body. And so God would give me a word for a church, or God would expose sin to me in a church, or God would, would uh, reveal to me that somebody on staff has rebelling against the pastor and his wife or something Mm -hmm. of that nature or or holiness might be being let go of in that church and God sending me there to help that church uh, course correct yeah and so God would deal with me about that but I'd be standing on the platform and the pastor would lean over and he'd make subtle comments and say and there's a lot of people here that need the Holy Ghost Mm -hmm. he'd say man I really hope we pray a lot of people through and 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 I would immediately feel that pressure uh and there were times in my younger years when God started first making that shift in my life and ministry uh there would be times that i I would give in to that pressure in in my youth and and I'd walk to that pulpit and I'd try to build faith and encourage, and it would literally this is gonna sound crazy. But it would literally feel like God removed the anointing from me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it didn't matter if I told stories about miracles wow. and, and dozens getting the Holy Ghost at another wow, church. So wow. it, there would be no witness in the spirit. Wow. But I learned if I can be God's man and preach what he says to preach, whether it be holiness, whether it be confronting sin in the church, whether it be hell whether it be a uh, submission to the man of God, if I can be obedient, my obedience will have a witness to it and the atmosphere will be set and people are going to get the Holy Ghost regardless. Mm. Wow. Because, because of my obedience, it released an atmosphere of the miraculous mm. and people are going to get the Holy Ghost and people are going to get healed. We're going to see miracles but it's not because I let man put me in a box and I just preach faith. It's because God gave me a word and I obeyed God and there was a witness to that word. Yeah. And it created an atmosphere of the miraculous. Wow! And there was a, there was another instance you, you, you have to learn. You have to learn certain things. For example, I, uh, I went to a church and um, it was the first two weeks that I was there. And while I was preaching, I felt this, this, the only way I know how to describe it is this, it it was this dark, perverted spirit. And it was so dark, I Mm. could not even articulate it. Mm. And in the middle of my preaching, and that that church was locked up. It It was bound. And in the middle of my preaching, I just stopped and I said, I said, there is dark, perverted sexual sin in this church and i said i'm not just talking about young people committing fornication i'm talking about dark perverted sexual sin in this church and i kept feeling it bump me and bump me and then i came back the second week and it hit me again and that church was so locked up the atmosphere was so tight and i remember calling it out again i said i said this spirit is hindering revival in this church. And I said, I'm here to drive it out. Mm. We're going to deal with that mm. spirit. And we went into all out war that night. Wow! And when I'm telling you, it was like a bomb went off in that place and people started going to war. Mm. And you could literally feel a vacuum. Yeah. It's like it's like that dark spirit just it, it just left. Mm. And I was I was back at that church recently. The pastor came to me and he said, he said, hey, you remember when you were here uh, those first two weeks and you started calling out that dark, perverted sexual sin? And I said, I said, yes, sir. He said, well, the week of Christmas, there's a little boy in this church. He said, you, you see that little boy right there? And I said, yes, sir. He said, that little boy walked in on his stepdad molesting his sister. And then he said, not even 48 hours later, there was another man in this church that was a child molester, and he just dropped dead. And when, when God removed those two individuals, the whole atmosphere of that church totally shifted. Mm. And then we were able to have revival, pray people through, see miracles. And so that's, if I would have let somebody put me in a box because i travel and I'm, I'm just an evangelist if i would have let somebody put me in a box uh and just build faith and encourage the pastor that spirit would still be resident in that church and that church would still be locked up
3: let's talk about that for a moment there is a great need for apostolic ministry today because there is such darkness like that in the world That following business as usual cannot address. It's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. But let it be known. There is an apostolic response. To the level of evil that is in this world. There is an apostolic ministry waiting to be activated. But. Because of the level of darkness of this world, God needs people who are willing to say, I will be released from the expectation. Because the expectation of the past generation was to reach that generation's problems. We have a whole new set of things. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have people who don't understand their gender. They don't know who they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Who have already gone through procedures to change their physical they they've already done it, and they've repented, and they've come to the church, and they're still struggling with those same spirits. Mm-hmm. Right. What is the apostolic response of
0: ministry to them?
3: Right. We can't just sit, sit back and be intimidated by that
0: darkness. Yeah. Well, you know? it's it's you know, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, "Thou art my battle axe mm. and weapon of war, and with thee will I break down wow. cities and subdue kingdoms." Yes. He's talking about prophetic ministry. He's saying, Jeremiah, I'm going to use you as a prophetic voice and you're going to be a weapon in my hand Mm. and I'm going to send you and you're going to break things. It's, it's a, it's a very militant ministry. And so as a minister, if you're going to truly, you know, anybody can structure a good sermon and go, go preach a good message and impress people and people leave saying, wow, what a, what an orator. Yeah. Anybody can do that.
3: And we have a culture that can, that can reinforce that and to say you did
0: good right right but he but he he, he starts talking to jeremiah and he says he says I, i've given you an anointing to 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 watch this to root out root out to tear, tear down, down to pull up mm-hmm. and then it says to build in the plant, plant yeah. so there's three elements of destruction and only two elements of construction mm-hmm. and so before you can go into a church uh and and, and And really see construction, you got to figure out what needs to be destructed, Mm. right? What needs to be torn down? What needs to be rooted out? What's what needs to be pulled up? And so in this case, it was it was a spirit of sexual perversion.
2: Mm.
0: And so I had to destruct that Mm -hmm. before we could construct a culture of revival and harvest and growth. And so to confront that, you have to say what God says to mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. He, 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 I tell young guys, your job's not to get up there and sermonize. Mm-hmm. Hear and repeat. Yeah, Hear what God's saying and mm-hmm. repeat it. Yes. Right. And the people may not like what you're saying, but if what you're saying is what God is saying, there's going to be a witness in the spirit. Yeah. Right. And the word may not be something that they like, but the witness to the word right. will be something that they right, like. Yeah.
5: Right. Right. <clears throat> I think the essence of what you're saying is, uh, I-, I push back even a little bit more. I think there's a hijacking of the word preaching. Yeah. I think just because someone is behind a pulpit and uses scripture, we consider that preaching. The word preach just is, is a word that just means to be a herald or a messenger. Think of the old time kingdom. And the king wanted to give a message to his people. Well, he didn't have modern technology, radio, text messaging to get it out he would bring somebody into his throne room that we would call the town crier. Yeah, The person would receive the message, travel to all the villages, and take the message from the throne room to the people. That's the essence of the word preach. If somebody gets behind a pulpit and speaks what they want to say, that by definition is not preaching. Right. That is public speaking with a scriptural backdrop. It's
0: performance. It's performance. It's performance. So
5: it, it's not that we... And we we put an apostolic adjective on everything, and we do that because we're trying to explain what we really mean. And people say we need apostolic preaching. We just need preaching. Yeah. We need people who know what it means to get into the throne room, get a word from God, and then have spirit-led boldness to share that word. Yep. Just because you read a text, give an illustration, uh, give some you know three points, doesn't actually constitute preaching. No. Preaching is when you take a message. From God, and this is why Peter, he, he says, my main job at this point is prayer and the ministry of the word. I can't just share with you good thoughts and good ideas every single time I come to the pulpit. Prayer, ministry of the word are forever inseparable in his mind.
2: Yeah,
5: oh. uh, I'm...
4: While all this you know, dialogue is going on, <laughs> the Lord brought me to uh, John chapter 12. And in John chapter 12, Jesus has his triumphal entry mm. uh, into Jerusalem. And uh, many signs and wonders; people are worshiping him. And but of course, the Pharisees, right, are are standing against him. And uh, John chapter 12 verse 40, 42 says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, mm-hmm. lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Wow. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Wow. Yeah. And so in this generation, you know. We have, as men of God, as individuals, as children of God, and finding the calling of God, have to get to that point where the praises of men don't matter right. anymore. Yeah. You know, the praises of men, like Brother Herring was talking about, when you get into that pulpit, and when he was in that pulpit, the 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 box that that pastor is trying to put you in. We need people pray through the Holy Ghost, and, and all the while, you know, the Lord is drawing you this way. There was a moment in your life where you you determined the idea or the desire of this pastor is not gonna supersede what God is calling me to do in this moment. Yeah. I desire the praises of God much more than the praises of men. And it's a very difficult place because the praises of men are it's it's such a wonderful thing, right? To put together a great sermon yeah. and to say, wow, look at how good that was yeah. instead of to bring a word that there's sexual sin, yeah. dark perversion in the, you know, in this uh, house of god right mm, mm. but that's mm-hmm. what this generation has to desire and every yeah. generation has had to but now more than ever i want the praise of, uh, praises praises of god i want to be pleasing to,
0: the lord, yeah. pleasing to the lord well and and just that's very good and and to while you were talking i had several things coming to me i am noticing that the apostolic church is in galatians chapter one right now because paul's writing and and His very first statement to the church of Galatia in his writing was Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, not by man Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or through men. What he was saying was, is my authority doesn't come from man. It comes from God. What he was really saying was, is you didn't vote on me the way you did Matthias. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I wasn't here when, when the system was established. That's why he said, I'm an apostle born out of due time. And so he starts writing down through there and he starts talking about about someone that has crept in and they're perverting they're perverting the gospel. Well, in what way were they perverting the gospel? There's conflict among the Galatians. Mm-hmm. If you're a Gentile that's born again, do you do you still have to be circumcised? And so there's there's this conflict there. He's saying you don't have to be circumcised because you've been You've you've been baptized in Jesus' name. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so then he gets to chapter number two after he just started talking about someone perverting the gospel. And he's saying, who is it that's perverting the gospel? Wait a minute. It's Peter that's perverting the gospel. Mm. Because in the Jerusalem council in Acts 15, Peter Mm. said that they didn't have to be circumcised. But now... He's not even sitting at the same table with Gentiles that are not circumcised. So here it is. Peter, who was a pillar, Paul said, Mm -hmm. perverted the gospel. How did he pervert the gospel? He was unclear on where he stood concerning covenant issues. Mm -hmm. Barnabas 2. Barnabas 2. And he said, I have to withstand him to the face. And he said, the reason I'm withstanding him to the face, watch this. He told the Galatians, the reason I'm withstanding him to the face is so that the truth of the gospel might endure among you. If nobody says anything, Mm -hmm. the truth does not endure. Mm -hmm. You know, we quote that scripture that truth will endure to all generations. Well, I think a lot of times we quote that thinking that there's going to be another generation after us. Mm -hmm. But could it be that we are the generation that the sum of that scripture is upon? Mm Hmm. Could it be that we are the summation of that scripture, that truth will endure to all generations? And so he's writing and he's saying, can you imagine the situation that Paul's in? Because Peter walked on water. Peter saw the dead raised. Peter was there with God manifest in the flesh. Peter saw the feeding of 5,000. Peter was called in person by Jesus Christ. Peter preached the day of Pentecost and saw 3,000 added to the kingdom in one day. Peter saw a lame man healed at the gate, but now here's here's this guy that's born out of due season mm. that nobody voted on that wasn't there when all of those things happened, and he's saying this pillar, I've got to withstand him to the face because he's unclear on covenant issues. Mm-hmm. And so I'm and I'm trying to be careful here, but we're, we're seeing a little bit of that in Pentecost. We're seeing where there are, there are pillars that are all of a sudden being unclear on some covenant issues. And we're starting to see some things in Pentecost slip. Now it's, it's, it's not a big deal for a woman to cut her hair. Mm. It's, it's not a big deal for, for makeup. It's not a big deal for, for all of these different lines to start being moved. But I was, I was reading, the Lord started dealing with me about this. I was reading, uh, and I think Morgan has heard me share this, but I read something about the Great Wall of China, and it said that architects built the Great Wall of China high enough so no one could climb over it, thick enough so no one could go through it, and long enough so no one could go around it. Yet within the first century of the Great Wall of China being built, the wall was breached by the enemy three different times. And every time the wall was breached by the enemy, it wasn't because they went through it, it wasn't because they went over it, and it wasn't because they went around it. But every time the wall was breached by the enemy, it's because the enemy bribed the gatekeeper to keep quiet. Mm. And we have walls with watchmen that are silent Mm. because the enemy has bribed them with influence. Mm. It's bribed them with larger crowds. Mm. It's bribed them with more money. Mm-hmm. It's bribed them with acceptance on our movement. All the while, the enemy is breaching the walls. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to say this. To, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. I just want to say this to anybody listening. Say something. Mm-hmm. Say something. Mm-hmm. When we see these lines of holiness, you know what? I, I was preaching I was preaching a a youth rally years ago, and I started preaching about the power of a woman's uncut hair. I didn't beat anybody over the head for cutting their hair. Mm -hmm. I preached the power of not cutting their hair. And man, there was a witness in the Holy Ghost. Mm. And it's, I mean, that place just erupted. Those young ladies started interceding and travailing and just going to war. And there was a pastor that was in that service and he called me the next week and he said, Hey, he said, you're, you're coming to our church soon. He said, I was at that youth rally last night. And he said, when you come to our place, I don't want you to touch any of that stuff. He said, I, He said, we believe it. He said, I just, we don't want you to talk about any of that stuff. Hmm. So I went, and when I got there, they didn't believe it. Hmm. There was cut hair all over their platform, and there was only so far we could get in the spirit. And I fully believe it's because they moved the line on covenant issues. Yeah. And so... It, I mean, in order for them to go, you know, for us to maintain the atmosphere of power and authority, we got to make sure we move the line back to where it's supposed to be. Right. And so, I mean, and I, I feel like I'm going on a tangent here, but I'm, I'm just no, no. in, 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 in a Yeah, and I, I feel yeah. this in the Holy Ghost, but yeah. but there was something that happened in generations before because generations before moved the line so far right and gave no basis for why they moved the line that, that far right. And it developed a legalism. It developed a Phariseeism. And, and I believe that those lines were drawn because, like in Acts 15, they said it is good to us and to the Holy Ghost. And I do believe that those elders drew lines that were good to them and to the Holy Ghost. But it was presented in such a way that it was more of an authoritarian view. It was more of a dictatorship rather than Mm -hmm. we spent time in prayer Mm -hmm. and we fill in the Holy Ghost. This is the line to draw. So the pendulum swung and the next generation overcorrected. And instead of being concerned about the spirit, the letter and the spirit of the law, the pendulum swung and all they cared about was the letter of the law. And it got to the place where if you can't give me book, chapter, and verse for it, we're not going to abide by that. Mm. But there's an issue in that mm-hmm. because you may not have book, chapter, and verse for some things, but if you've got the Holy Ghost and you want to go to deeper depths, there's going to be a check in your spirit that says it's good to us and the Holy Ghost. Right. Right. And so the Lord started dealing with me about Samson and that Nazarite vow. And here's, here's what he dealt with me about. You have the, the Nazarite vow. You have, uh, don't cut your hair, don't partake of the strong drink, and don't come in contact with a dead body, whether it be man or animal. Only one of those Nazarite vows were upheld by the rest of, of the nation of Israel. And it was, on the, uh, it, it was on the Day of Atonement, don't come in contact with a dead body. So here it is, what was unacceptable to everybody else one day a year was unacceptable to Samson every day of the year. Right. And the Lord spoke to me and said, not everybody had his gifting, so not everybody's going to have his guidelines.
1: Right. right.
0: And so when, when Samuel started moving those lines, he, he, he touches the dead body of a lion and then he kills a thousand Philistines. He drinks a strong drink and then he rips up a gate out of a city and carries it to the top of a hill. Mm. He he lays with Delilah and then he he breaks the bands and and kills a thousand with jawbone of a donkey. Well, the reason is, is because the Bible says "And the spirit of the Lord moved on him at times. And when it said at when it said the spirit of the Lord moved on him, that word there literally It it, it literally gives the implication that there was an impartation of the spirit into him. And it would move on him at times. And then he'd move one of those boundaries. And he learned how to tap into that gifting while moving those boundaries. And finally, here it is. He moved that final boundary and he cut his hair. And this is what he said. He said, I'll shake myself as at other times. Mm. What other times? The other times he could move those boundaries and tap into his gifting. Yeah. But the Bible said the spirit of the Lord departed from him and he knew it not. Yeah. So what I'm seeing in Pentecost is we're moving lines. Yeah. And we're learning how to tap into the giftings.
2: Mm.
0: We're moving lines and we're learning how to tap into the anointing. Mm-hmm. We're moving lines and we're learning how to prophesy. Right. Mm-hmm. We're moving lines, and we're learning how to still feel the goosebumps. That's a dangerous place to be. Right. But there's going to come a day we're yeah. going to move the line so much the spirit of the Lord would depart from us, mm-hmm. and we know it not. Right. And there's a danger in that. Yeah. We got to redraw these lines and yeah. get back to to not worrying about. Okay, is it just the letter of the law? What about the spirit of the law?
3: Yeah. Right. Let Let me add something <clears throat> to this because I don't think it's 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 enough to say. And there's nothing wrong with what you said, but I feel to add more to this because it's not enough to say, stop moving the lines. We have to address why the lines were moved in the first place. Exactly. And along with this, I believe men and women of God are going to have to address the spirit of Balaam Mm -hmm. that was upon them when they moved the line. That spirit of Balaam that said, I I will not speak truth because of your own carnal appetite. How can you preach over a pulpit? How can you minister in a Bible study? A truth that you yourself are struggling with and a sin that you yourself are participating in or your daughter is or your wife is or your husband is, or your brother, or your sister, or your family. How can I preach against something that my wife is, or my daughter is participating in? Yeah. So we refuse to preach truth to cover the weakness of our family, our friends. Right. And this is Balaam.
5: Spirit of Balaam. That's the
3: spirit of Balaam. To refuse to preach truth because it damages me. Because everyone knows what I'm participating in, and I know it's right. And I know it's the Word of God. But I can't do it because it's going to make my son look bad. It's going to make my daughter look bad because I know what they're participating. So I'm just going to stay silent. Mm. It and And a lot of individuals get away with not preaching the truth, not preaching the sound Word of God through silence. And it's not that they teach against what right so that pastor can say oh we believe it okay well the proof is in the pudding if you believed it, you would teach it over your pulpit you would preach it you would share it and i get the discipleship process i completely understand you know here at clc we have a lot of bible studies that go on we teach it we're not silent about it but that silence many times is implemented to ease the conscience of an individual because in them they have an appetite for these things we have to repent from that spirit of balaam we have to repent from that withholding of the word of god because we know if the people of god are released from their ignorance of this biblical standard then the eyes are going to come back on me and the way that I've been living right. and the mm-hmm. way that I, what I've been participating in, I must repent. Right. I must
5: turn that's away. That's why every sermon always begins not in the pulpit, but in the lifestyle. Right. Yeah, And uh, that's why Paul says, he says, I put my body under subjection lest if I preach to others, I myself become a castaway. I could preach all this to everybody else, but if I'm not living it at the end of the day, yeah. my preaching can still impact other people. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not putting my body under subjection, those spirits that I'm calling out are going to come right back to and my God front will door. will allow it to happen yeah. as well. He will and, allow it. And,
0: and you were talking about being silent. You don't have to get up and say, we don't believe X anymore. Yeah. You just stop preaching it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
0: And so, you know, my concern is not, what we've done is we've taken the subject of holiness, outward separation, and and I know it's inward and outward, but we've taken the specifically the subject of outward separation, and we've relegated it to a back room right. for just the new converts, mm-hmm. and, and we don't preach it behind our pulpits mm-hmm. to our churches anymore because we just expect... Well, look at the pastor's wife, and that's how you dress. Mm-hmm. So my concern, and, and so what has happened in that is, is new converts are getting a hold of it, but the saints that they leave that back room and fellowship with right. are walking away from it. Mm-hmm. So my concern is not just the, my, my concern is not new converts not coming to it. My concern is saints walking away from it, right. and is, it's it's all started with, with silence mm-hmm. somewhere along the way there's been an enemy come to the gatekeeper mm-hmm. and bribe them with with something mm-hmm. and that goes all the way back to genesis yeah. eve said the the serpent beguiled me yeah. that word beguiled there doesn't mean lied to me it means deceived me there's a difference in a lie and deception because deception is making an offer it's make it's it's it literally means when you study that it literally means to give false hope he was making her an offer. He was saying, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Mm-hmm. But she did not get what she thought she was going to get.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so when the enemy comes in and it beguiles these pastors and these these ministers, mm-hmm. they never get what they think they're going to get. Mm-hmm. They think they'll no. get a bigger crowd. They yeah. think that they'll get uh, uh, more money, bigger yeah. buildings. They never get no. what they're going to get. And so the the punishment was... From dust you came and dust you're gonna return. In other words, this compromise came from the enemy telling you you'd be more like God. Mm-hmm. But the curse of this compromise is you're gonna begin a decline until you're like the world.
2: Mm.
3: Right, wow. right, right. Wow, wow. A lot. A lot can be said here. A lot can be said, and and we hope that that people listen to this and understand the the spirit in which we say it, because uh, one thing is for sure you know uh the pendulum swing we cannot be involved in these pendulum swings um and go from one extreme to another you know uh really what we're arguing for is the biblical way the biblical approach the approach of the word of god of how we should live without holiness no one will see the lord yeah and that is the principle now oh you know and 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 you know what i, I i've almost refrained from using this very common statement because it's just been used to 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 uh it's been, diluted. it's been diluted right holiness begins in the heart right yes it does yes it does okay but i've almost I i i'm sick of that statement in a way because I get it, but it is almost like a flag to say, I'm not a Pharisee. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, look, yeah, holiness does begin in the heart, but it moves very quickly to your actions. Sure. It, it, it's not like it begins and in a slow, long process. No, if you love God, man, if you have seen God quickly, Isaiah said, woe is me. Yeah. woe is me he falls on the floor he says i am undone and he felt this need to change i you know i i i am unworthy and he has to be touched in his lips he takes a coal they take a coal from that fire and touches his lips and sanctifies him holiness does begin in the heart but if it's true holiness which basically means you're becoming more like christ you yeah. become more like god it moves very quickly And it will show up in the way that you live, you talk, you walk, you dress, you speak, you act, you do. It it, it, that is what holiness is. It envelops the whole of the being.
0: Yeah, and you 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 talked about this. You know, people say it's this long process. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's there's biblical precedent for that because in Exodus chapter twelve, with that Passover. When Passover was instituted, the, the lamb was killed and the blood was applied, but they had seven days to get the leaven out of their home, and it didn't matter if the blood was applied. When that death angel showed up, they could have all the blood in the world on the doorpost and the lentil, but if they didn't get the leaven out of their home in that time frame God gave them, mm. then that death angel was going to take the firstborn, even though there's blood applied. You gotta get the leaven out of your house. Wow. And so we, we and I understand everybody progresses at their own rate. I, I understand that. But at the same time, eventually, you gotta get the leaven out of your house. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you don't get the leaven out, it doesn't matter if the blood's applied. Yeah. So
3: Yeah, you know, and it it is a process, but it's not as long as people claim it is or people oftentimes imply it is. Sometimes, yeah, it is, but that's not because God wanted it to be that long. It's because an individual is struggling within themselves to choose who are they going to be loyal to, either God or their own hearts.
0: Well, and and one of the popular statements is, I just don't feel convicted about it Right, right, right. And that's a very dangerous Mm. statement Mm -hmm. because... Some saints can go fornicate and not feel convicted.
5: Well, it's and I remember an old elder, Brother Mullen, said this years ago. It's always stuck with me, and I've I've taught this to students. He says, as it pertains to all biblical doctrines, but especially holiness, some things are a matter of revelation, but most are a matter of obedience. Yeah. Paul Paul says in Thessalonians, this is the will of God concerning you that you abstain from sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether you feel like abstaining or not, that is the unadulterated will of God for your life, Yo. whether you feel it or have a revelation of it. It is not a matter of revelation. It's a matter of obedience. When you want to talk about length of skirt, length of shirt, I think those things are a matter of, uh, but the uncut hair, it's not a matter of revelation. It's a matter of obedience.
0: Obedience. Exactly. exactly. Because The
5: scripture teaches this is what, and you talk, we've talked about the council of Acts 15. Uh, they're not. What he's saying is, these aren't the only things that you need to obey when he talks about not eating of the blood, abstaining from sexual immoralities, eating food offered unto idols. He's not saying these are the only rules of the kingdom. Sure. He's saying these are the only rules that carry over from the Old Testament. Mm. From, from the law of Moses, these are the ones that we feel are necessary to carry over. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's a ruleless uh, or a boundaryless kingdom. Yeah. Um, and so the New Testament. And Jesus lines up. Jesus, speaking of adultery, I was reading it this morning. If I ride, I offend thee. Pluck it, pluck out. it out. And uh, these are all a matter of, of obedience. Whether I, whether I feel it, have a revelation or not, if the word said it. And that's the first step of holiness. If the word says it, I'm going to do it. Sure, and that's what it is.
3: Loyalty to the word of God who is your god and what are you loyal to right loyalty to the word of god i don't understand how people could say i just don't feel conviction about something that is said in the word of god that means that your desire is bigger than what the word of god teaches when i got filled with the holy ghost man it it, it was this fundamental desire in me to say do i see it in the word that is what i want to follow That is what I want to I want to I want to be pleasing to the Lord according to his word. And that doesn't mean according to rules. It means to what the what the Bible says about who I am, how I'm supposed to live. It just is and I'm more loyal to the word of God than I am to my own self. Right. To my I love him more than I love me.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: And that's the point there. That's the point. That's what holiness is and that's what a hunger and a and a passion for holiness is it's simply saying i have a passion i have a passion for the word of god for the things of god above a passion to pursue my own desires and my own wants and my own dreams and what makes my body and what makes this carnal heart happy or Thinks is going to make it happy because in, in reality it is not happier to follow the way of the flesh. The mirage. It is a mirage. It is. It, it, it is. It. Uh, what is that called? Um. Um. It's. It's a, an illusion. It's an illusion that following the way of the flesh, the way of physical enjoyment, is greater than the path of holiness, than the yeah. joy that comes from holiness. Right. It, it's an illusion, and understand holiness means simply being like God being transformed in likeness into Christ it is an absolute illusion the flesh is dumb the flesh is a an animal yeah. okay it is a dumb animal that you know i often give this this analogy and I know we've been talking long, so we might have to wrap up in a bit. If Brother Caleb's going to get some rest before, I'm good, man. You know Let's what roll. I mean? Let's look, roll. Look, uh, uh, I remember my my dog. Okay, when we first got my dog, he's a little puppy. Okay, he's like half a half a uh, what is it called? Half? A, do you have to go somewhere? He's happy okay. uh like half pit bull, half something else. So he when he was young, he would eat everything. OK. And when he was a puppy, uh, you know, Vince actually used to work there, yeah. uh, you know, Walker vet. OK. Yeah. We would take him out to the back to go to the restroom before we took him home. Right. And so as a puppy, because he would eat everything, you know, sometimes he would find something on the floor and he would munch on it. And that day I took him out to the back and there was something gray on the ground. And the dog slurped it up, just ate it, just gulped it up. And I didn't want him to because I didn't know what it, what it was. I said, no, no, go, leave, right? And he goes, and I see the other part of this gray thing. It was oh. a dry piece of poop. Oh, bro. <laughs> hmm? How about
5: that? Right. Only here on the Certain Sound, ladies and gentlemen. I want
3: to tell it like it is. Thank All God right. we're not eating. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you like it is, yeah, right? Fast in
5: your life, Look, you
3: know? this dog is an animal. This yeah. dog is instinctual. Right. This dog's god is its belly, right. Right. and it took a piece of poop, oh, thinking, man. gulped it. I mean, his stomach <laughs> was right. It was like moving the whole ride home. <laughs> bro, I'm trying <laughs> to be mature about I'm, this. I'm but telling the words you, bro. You're using isn't it? Isn't me. it gross, bro? Gulping and pooping. no, straight up. That's what he did. It even sounded
5: like he's gurgling, right? Because he just the man can handle a diabolical sexual thing, <laughs> but he can't handle poop. Let's go.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's just I'm being telling so you. so descriptive.
3: Yeah, bro. And I'm trying to be. It's important to be, right? It's important for me. And you know, I I've told this here at CLC many times, and it has the same reaction. People laugh. People laugh because it's hilarious, and then they get grossed out. Because they can almost feel the piece of poop coming down <laughs> oh, their arm. <own>. Oh,
5: please. <laughs>
3: you are killing me, I, I'm man. doing it on purpose, <laughs> this and I, is, do this, is... I do this in, in, in when I teach on this. I Jeez. do this when I teach on this, right?
5: Take the your The dog
3: bro. is instinctual. He yeah. wants food, and he is convinced that this little thing that has a hint of what used to be food just might be good for me. And he grabs it, and he bites it, and he gulps it. Thus is sin. Right. This is the instinct of our flesh, of our bodies. Right. Our bodies doesn't doesn't have an interpretive lens to say this is right and this is wrong. It says there might be something enjoyable here and I want to drink it. I want to eat it. I want to see it. I want to search it. I want to find it. I want to listen to it. that
5: is the desire of the flesh much far off much farther off than that
3: yeah and it look it it, that and that is why the the uh, the apostle peter describes these individuals who had who were participating in the sin of balaam whose gods are their
5: bellies Mm. instinctual animal demonic right 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 instinctual come on right and so last thing i want to say is to bring what i feel the conversation of holiness into balance um or not balanced, but in the total picture, is Paul says something really fantastic. Because I think there's a really important factor for people like us who actively enjoy spiritual movement when people don't. Paul said, if Christ did not resurrect from the dead, Mm. we are of men most miserable. He's saying if we don't have resurrection power in our life, this life of self-denial and this life of is the worst possible life you can live if you don't have the moving of the spirit, the resurrection power. Why are we advocating for this? Not because uh, us or any of our leaders or elders yeah. want people to live more miserable, no. self-denying, for, monastic yeah, lives. Yeah. Yeah. It unlocks That's the not, supernatural in your life.
3: It unlocks joy. Un- and
5: yeah. It unlocks the gifts and the fruit yes. and it unlocks all the beautiful power that comes with the presence yes, of God that right. Isaiah experienced yes. and he walks in full of condemnation. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mm-hmm. And then right after the coal, the yeah. Lord says, I need a man to go for me. He says, send me, I'll go. Yes. He goes in with condemnation and he leaves with confidence, yes. but he had to be purged first. Right. And so why are we advocating for holiness? Not because we think it's fun or, or we want to live a unique life for the sake of being unique, no, but it unlocks resurrection power yeah. in your life. Yeah. And if you're living, a, and this is the fundamental Baptists, right? Sure. The fundamental Baptists are people who live At least I don't know anymore, but lives of holiness, skirts, dresses, no movies. It's your Westboro Baptist Church. I mean, it's it's hardline, far-right separation from the world. But they're some of the most miserable, dried-up people especially you see these west Pro and Baptist people probably secretly carnal yeah no, no ab- yeah, absolutely and yeah. so their hearts sure. and in their minds absolutely yeah. and so i mean these are the people that are protesting against homosexuality but doing it in such a mean hateful nasty way well mm. they have the separation but they don't have resurrection yeah. power yeah. you add resurrection power into the midst you start to realize that none of these things are even enticing in the least when you realize what you're getting for Mm -hmm. what you're giving up. But if you're just giving up and never getting, you're missing the point of holiness. Yeah,
0: that Nazarite vow is pretty rigorous until the spirit of the Lord moves on Samson. (laughs) Mm.
5: Yeah. And,
3: and, 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 And this is the thing, that same spirit of Balaam doesn't doesn't just operate with with uh, liberal. It also operates within what we would call ultra conservative. Sure, well. sure. It's the same thing. It's yeah. the same spirit. That spirit of Balaam says, "Well, this is the way that we were taught. The way that we were taught from the beginning, and we're going to hold to it, uh, even though there is scripture that obviously speaks about that very thing." But it's because of the. Cultural community that they're already a part of. Right. Right. And wanting to be known and recognized, right, that they're afraid. They the voice of man, the popularity, the opinions of man are more important than the word of God. Right.
1: Right.
3: What are we advocating for here? Not liberal, not conservative in 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 the sense of human labels biblical balanced what is the word of god and how does it apply to our lives now and we mentioned this in the past in the last podcast as well so this is very important it is apostolic to do certain things that are cultural of the time that is apostolic because the same apostle paul who wrote galatians Was the Apostle Paul who listened to James when James said, look, there are still people amongst the Jews who think that you have spoken against the law and as if it were something evil. There's two men who are taking a vow. Take a vow with him. And what does he do? He takes a Nazarite vow. A law of Moses shaves his head with these two individuals. The Apostle Paul circumcises Timothy.
2: Right.
3: So that he can get into the synagogue. Right. Hello? Right. There is a biblical place that is not involved with these pendulum swings. A biblical place that we can follow. An apostolic model that we can follow. Now, I'm not the one uh, to, he, to sit here on this podcast and dictate this is the apostolic model for your particular context. You know, No, no, that's That's something for wise men that are in your life. Your pastors need to tell you, right? Now... But if one is brave enough to just follow this apostolic model, this biblical model, you will not find at the end of this road, you will not find misery.
1: Right.
3: You will not find boundedness, slavery. You will find freedom. You will find empowerment. You will find the joy of your salvation. You will find your God. You will find the cross. You'll find mercy you'll find heaven coming to earth. Right. That's what you're going to find. Heaven coming to earth. Angels camped around those that fear him. Yeah. Right. That is what you're going to find. And that is what ultimately should be advocated for. It's the way of resurrection that requires death. Yes. Death as a result of sin. But then on the third day, there was a resurrection and there was life. Right. And there was a new way of living in glory.